Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry, and you are listening to From the Dark Side podcast. This is our first case of 2023 and one I first heard about recently, but really quick. Oh my God, you guys, this is not an ad, I promise. I've recently realized I've watched pretty much every true crime documentary on Netflix, Hulu, Prime, and Paramount Plus, and I got bored. So I subscribe to the Discovery Plus streaming service. This is the holy grail of true crime shows. There's so many different ones, and I was shocked when I was scrolling through and just seeing how many there are. So for all you true crime fans, I highly recommend checking out Discovery Plus. It's also cheaper than the other streaming services. It's only $4.99 a month, but I pay the extra $2, so I pay $6.99 a month so I can have it commercial free, which is totally worth it. It's got all the old school unsolved mysteries and forensic files. Those shows are where my love for true crime ever began. Anyway, find Discovery Plus and sign up for it and you'll get a one week free trial. Today's story is about a young woman who was found floating in the Atlantic Ocean just four miles off the coast of Cape May, New Jersey. I have lots of memories of taking my son here when he was a kid, even in 2003 when this story takes place. Cape May is an absolutely beautiful beach. Who was this young lady, and how did she end up deceased in the water with chains and restraints around her ankles? We'll get to the bottom of it. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and all suspects are innocent until proven guilty. My sources are listed in the description area. This is Episode 60, The Murder of Kimberly Holton. This story takes us back to 2003. Hard to believe that was 20 years ago. Some things going on around the world, MySpace.com was created. Some movies that had came out were Finding Nemo, The Matrix Reloaded, and The Return of the King, which won 11 Oscars. Johnny Depp was People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. Beloved TV star John Ritter passed away at the age of 54. The number one song of 2003 was In the Club by 50 Cent. And lastly, Apple launched iTunes and sold 1 million songs during the first week. On October 8th, 2003, a couple is out cruising in their new boat just a few miles off the coast of Cape May, New Jersey, when they spot something in the distance floating in the water. They wonder if this is a deceased animal or some trash, but they never expected to find what they found. As they got close, they stop the boat and peer over the edge. What they discover leaves them horrified. They can see this is a body of a woman and she has long hair. They immediately phone the police and the body is recovered and taken to a nearby makeshift command center where they cordon off with crime scene tape. Detectives from New Jersey police arrive and start their investigation. They can see that she is young, like under 20 years old. But you guys know from previous cases, water is basically the worst thing that can happen to a corpse. It makes decomposition occur much faster. She had a lot of marine life that had been feeding on her for however long she was in the water. They can tell she hasn't been in there for years, though, maybe just a week or two at most. Her genes were still intact, and there's just certain things about the corpse that show this death had occurred recently. The strangest thing was that she had a 15-foot chain tied around her ankles along with duct tape. She had a rock crab attached to her inner thigh, so this showed detectives that she was at the bottom of the ocean at some point because rock crabs are bottom feeders, meaning they mainly hang out at the bottom of the ocean. Who was this girl? 
Police are first concerned about finding her identity. And from there, how did she end up in the water? And was she alive when she went in or was she already deceased? Her body is brought into the New Jersey Medical Examiner's Office. An autopsy is performed and they're looking for gunshot wounds or stab marks, but they don't see any of them. The medical examiner does find that the base of her skull had a large fracture. She tells police the fracture is consistent with falling, but the fall would have had to come from a really tall height, like a five-story building. This is puzzling because if she was tossed into the water from a boat, she would have only fell at around 10 feet maximum. They wonder if she was tossed out of a building somewhere else and then placed in the water. The problem is that this would be extremely hard for someone to pull off. You can't just throw someone off a building, run downstairs and outside, collect a body and load it into a vehicle and then a boat. None of this makes sense. They attempt to get her fingerprints, but being in the water for so long had made her fingertips very prune-like and rippled. Think of your fingertips when you get out of a pool or a bathtub. So they inject fluid into each one, which swelled them out and gave them nice, smooth fingerprints, and they have a match. Her fingerprints match a resident from Dover, Delaware. Dover, Delaware is very close to Cape May, New Jersey. If you're not from around this area, if you look at a map, you'll see just how close it is. It's only about 60 miles. Lots of people from Delaware vacation at the Jersey beaches. Since she is a Delaware resident, a Delaware detective, along with a New Jersey detective, are assigned to the case. Both agencies are going to work together to find her killer. The woman found in the water was 16-year-old Kimberly Holton. They travel to her home, which is in a trailer park in Dover, Delaware. Her foster mother opens the door and sees the detectives there and knows something is very wrong. They tell her Kimberly's body was found. Kimberly was born November 4, 1986. She had a really rough life. Her father was in prison, her mother was a drug addict at the time, and Kimberly was moved around from different family members as a child. Now, even though Kimberly had been through so much and faced a lot of hardships, her teachers say she was a great kid, very friendly, and deserved better circumstances than what she was given. In 2001, some neighbors of hers at the trailer park offered to take Kimberly in. Their names are Rudy and Lorraine. They have a daughter around her age named Heather and thought it would be okay to have another daughter living with them. They were already raising one her age, plus the two girls would have a sister to keep company. Kimberly moves in with the family, and they are her guardians. Now, this wasn't some legal adoption or foster care through the state. This is just one of those, hey, I'll keep her since you can't take care of her kind of things. Kimberly did live with her grandfather for a short time before moving in with L Rudy and Lorraine. Two years later, Kimberly is dead, and her foster mother wants answers. Lorraine tells the detectives she last saw Kimberly just nine days earlier, September 29, 2003. As a side note, this confirms Kimberly's body was only in the water for eight or nine days at most. She said she reported Kimberly missing the next day. Now, Kimberly was known to run away at times, but she always returned within a couple days. This most recent time, the police did a quick report and asked everyone if they had seen her and said they would look out for her. Because of her history of running away, this wasn't completely out of the ordinary for her to be missing, but she didn't expect she would be found dead, as Kimberly always returns within a couple days. They bring Lorraine in and sit down and want to find out more about Kimberly. Who would want her dead? Does she have any enemies? Lorraine said her husband, Rudy, and her were in the process of separating. 
Just two weeks before, Kimberly had called the police on her foster dad because he got in the bed with her and did things he wasn't supposed to. Rudy was known to be creepy and would sometimes watch Kimberly and just be a fucking pervert. He was charged with abusing her at this time. So he is one person they feel has a motive to want Kimberly dead since just two weeks prior she had him arrested and now him and his wife are separating and so on. Rudy is brought in for questioning and he tells the detectives that he was at the home of his biological daughter for three days during the time Kimberly disappeared. His alibi ends up checking out, which is surprising, and Rudy is cleared, at least of the murder, not the other charge. The detectives were disappointed because they really thought they had her killer right in front of them. The next line of business is to go back to the evidence. There's not much on Kimberly that they can get clues from. She was in the water for at least a week, so DNA is washed off and so on. Besides, this is 2003. Police have been using DNA testing since 1986, but even in 2003, DNA testing wasn't like it is today in 2023. They clean up the chain that was found on her. It's a 15-foot-long, heavy piece of chain. They find a number on the chain, some kind of identifying number from the manufacturer. The manufacturer states that this particular chain is one that is sold at Lowe's. If you're not familiar with Lowe's, it's a big home improvement store popular here on the East Coast. It's a lot like Home Depot. The detectives contact some local Lowe's stores in the area and find a chain just like the one found on Kimberly was sold recently at one of the stores in Dover, Delaware. The store manager pulls up the sales history and sees the time and exact date that it was sold, so they go to the camera footage taken from the register. There are two men standing in line purchasing a 15-foot piece of chain just like the one found on Kimberly. As well, they have two cinder blocks. This has to be Kimberly's killer. They can't recognize who the men are since the video footage was from the ceiling, but they can tell they are young, like 20 to 25 years old. Every news station in the area puts this image out in hopes that someone would recognize who these two young men are. Within days, a young man reports to the police station and claims he is one of the men in the video. This kid is scared to death and wants to quickly clear his name. He says he's in the video because his buddy that he was with, whose name is Jacob, asked him to come along. Jacob was making some kind of exercise weightlifting contraption from the chain and cinder blocks and needed a friend to help him. The detectives tell him that they believe these items purchased were used in Kimberly's murder. The kid is super scared and tells them he had no idea he was just helping his friend out by carrying these out of the store and tagging along for the trip. He is eventually cleared, but now police have a name to look into, which is the friend he was with, who is 20-year-old Jacob Jones. I want to backtrack for a moment and tell you guys about one person I haven't really touched on yet, and that's Heather, who is Kimberly's foster sister, who is the same age as her and has been living with her for the, la for the past two years. Kimberly would often take Heather's clothes and wear them. I don't know if this is something teenage sisters normally do or not. I really have no idea what the normal amount of arguing for sisters is, but they fought constantly. What I'm getting at is that Jacob Jones is Heather's boyfriend. This is an immediate red flag and Heather is brought in for questioning. Heather is hysterical and says, yes, her and Kimberly fought all the time, 
But at the end of the day, she was her sister and she loved her. She also said she wasn't worried about Kimberly initially when she disappeared, since Kimberly is known to take off. But after a few days passed, she grew really worried and knew this wasn't like the other times. She tells police she reached out to Jacob, her boyfriend, about Kimberly's disappearance, and he didn't really want to talk about it. She assumed it was because Jacob didn't like Kimberly and didn't really care that she was gone or because he felt bad that Kimberly was missing and they were on bad terms. Heather says she has nothing to do with Kimberly's disappearance and wants answers just as bad as they do. The police then clear her as a suspect. During Jacob's interrogation, he asked for a lawyer within a few minutes, and you guys know how this goes. Once a suspect says they want a lawyer, police have to end the interview. Jacob is not permitted to talk to the police without a lawyer present, and he is free to walk out. A few days later, this is less than two weeks since Kimberly's body was found. Heather and Jacob go out to lunch. Heather bluntly asks him if he had anything to do with Kimberly's murder. He says his lawyer said not to talk about the case, not even to her. Heather is dumbfounded because she was expecting him to say, hell no, I had nothing to do with her murder. She still didn't believe that Jacob would murder her sister. We have to remember, Heather is still a teenage girl and young and naive herself. Just to touch on Jacob's background, Jacob is 20 years old. He is a recent high school graduate who everyone thought was a great kid. He got his pilot's license at only 16 years old. And even though he is only 20 years old now, he had his private pilot's license, an instrument license, and a flight instructor license. Why on earth would this promising young man want to hurt his girlfriend's sister? It's learned that although Kimberly didn't get along with her sister Heather, she also didn't get along with Jacob. She often belittled him and embarrassed him in front of Heather. She called him four eyes because he wore glasses. She also made fun of the fact that he couldn't get his, fi his fighter pilot's license because of his eyesight. They bickered a lot when Jacob was over the house. She picked on him constantly in front of other people. Jacob hated Kimberly. This is still not an excuse to kill her, though. The police ended up getting a warrant for Jacob's arrest, and now he'll have to be brought in, and even a lawyer won't be able to do anything right now. They get their piece of paper and drive over to Jacob's parents' house, and as soon as they got there, they find Jacob has just shot himself with a shotgun. He is deceased. It literally just happened moments before, and his parents are hysterical as expected. The detective sits down with Jacob's parents, and Jacob's dad tells them that last night, Jacob confessed to him. He also said there was another man involved, who was 23-year-old Michael Kaiser. He tried to place a lot of the blame on Michael. Michael and Jacob were friends and knew each other from airplane school. Michael is brought in, and he tells the police everything. Now, Michael was not the friend who was in the line at Lowe's purchasing the chain and cinder blocks. That guy was cleared. This is a different friend, and with Jacob now deceased, he's the only suspect. Michael was asked to participate in the crime by his friend Jacob, and he did. But Michael said he was forced to participate because Jacob said if he didn't, he would kill him. Michael was afraid of Jacob. Michael also waived his right to an attorney. The motive in this case was that Jacob hated Kimberly. He hated her so much that she embarrassed him in front of Heather. Kimberly picked on him constantly, and she was always fighting with Heather. It had gotten to the point where Jacob began refusing to even come to Heather's house if Kimberly was there. But did she deserve to die? Of course not. She was 16. He, called, he could have told her just shut up and go away. 
I feel like there's way more to it, though. People don't just kill because someone is annoying you. I feel like Jacob had a killer in him and would have likely killed someone in his life, whether it was Kimberly or someone else. There was definitely something more going on with him. It's a shame because he was a driven young man. I don't know any 16-year-olds with their pilot's license and a 4.0 grade point average. He literally threw his life away and took the life of a young lady in the process. Let's get into exactly what happened and how she ended up in the water. Michael says he picked Kimberly up from her house the night of September 29th as Jacob had instructed him to do. The reason was because they were going to meet up with Jacob so him and Kimberly could talk about their beef and see what could be done to make things better. Jacob pretended like he wanted to help her with her life. I don't know where Heather is in all of this or if she knew her boyfriend was spending time with her sister out that evening. There was footage of Michael and Kimberly together that night walking into a Wawa convenience store. Jacob, Michael, and Kimberly are together at the Budget Inn Motel in Dover, Delaware, which was nearby where Kimberly lived, and it was also right next to the Lowe's store where the chain was purchased. Once they arrive at the motel, Michael says Kimberly had sex with Jacob and then with him while Jacob watched. Afterwards, she goes into the bathroom, and when she comes out, she is ambushed by Jacob. He holds her down and smothered her while Michael holds her legs to stop her from kicking. Once she was dead, they duct taped her ankles and wrapped a chain around them and attached the cinder blocks. They loaded her body into the trunk of Jacob's car and drove her to Dover Air Force Base, where they then loaded her into a Cessna 172 airplane and Jacob left in the plane at 11.45 p.m. There, Jacob flew over the Atlantic Ocean. He slowed the plane down and was able to roll her body out the door. Her body came crashing into the ocean. This explains when the medical examiner had said that she had an injury to the base of her skull that was concurrent with having fallen out of a building. Their plan failed when her body hit the water because the cinder blocks disintegrated from the impact and they didn't keep her at the bottom of the ocean for too long. Just a week later, she, she was discovered by the couple that was out in their new boat. It's amazing that this ocean is so big and this couple happened to be going past her body. It could have been years before she was found had they not stopped to check what was floating in the water. There was radar evidence which tracked an airplane departing from Dover Air Force Base at approximately 11.37 p.m. The, the plane flew to Cheswold and then to Cape May, New Jersey area and returned to Dover at 1.39 a.m. on the morning of October 1st. Once Jacob returned with the plane, Michael was waiting there to pick him up. I think it's important to mention that Heather is not a suspect. I read an article in Cosmopolitan entitled, My Boyfriend Killed My Sister, Heather said that after a few days of her sister being reported missing, she began to worry. Even though they didn't like each other, Heather is still concerned something bad happened to her. Heather called Jacob and texted him, but he didn't answer. She wants to let him know that Kimberly is missing. The next day, she goes to his house and asks him why he didn't respond to her messages. He tells her, do we really need to talk about Kimberly? Heather took this as him just being cold-hearted because he hated her and didn't care that she was missing. When Heather saw the footage of the two boys at Lowe's that was all over the news, she said she immediately knew it was Jacob in that video. She emailed him and asked, you didn't really do this, did you? And he never responded. According to Michael, he said the night he picked Kimberly up and drove her to the hotel room to meet Jacob, Kim had told him in the car that she and Jacob were in a relationship and loved each other. 
She also said Jacob was helping her find a new place to live. Heather doesn't believe this, though. She doesn't believe Jacob and Kimberly were seeing each other behind her back, nor does she believe that Jacob and Michael had sex with Kimberly that night. But she also didn't believe her boyfriend would kill her sister, and he did that, too. Just two days after Michael's arrest, he was being held at the Delaware Correctional Center. The guards were doing their nightly routine walkthrough and discovered Michael had hung himself with his shoelaces in his cell. They get him down and he is taken to the medical portion of the prison of the prison. He is still alive, but just barely. If it had been a minute later that he was found, he'd be dead. From there, he was taken to Kent General Hospital and then transferred to shock trauma in Christiana Hospital, where he was in crit- critical condition. He eventually recovered, and in 2004, he was tried for his involvement with Kimberly's murder. The trial began on October 27th, and on November 16th, the jury delivered their verdict, which was first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, Delaware does have the death penalty, so he got pretty lucky with that one. The judge who handed down the sentence told him very clearly that Jacob was a coward that took his own life, and if Jacob was standing in front of him, he would be given the death penalty. The judge also told Michael that Kimberly's life and her interactions with her foster family had no impact on his life whatsoever, and he's right. He willingly went along with Jacob. He fulfilled his sexual desires, and then he held Kimberly down while Jacob suffocated her. Michael was deemed to have a follower personality by a doctor that examined him. He was also found to be extremely immature for his age and easily manipulated into doing things. It's still not an excuse for murder, though. He also had the opportunity to plead guilty to second-degree murder and serve 18 years in prison, and he declined because he wanted to go through with a whole trial in hopes he would be found not guilty of murder. This ended up not working out for him. Now he's got life in prison with no chance of parole. Michael, at least for the first few years in prison, had an extensive disciplinary record. He was often found with contraband and was put in solitary confinement for his behavior. He still, in 2023 today, is incarcerated at the James T. Vaughn Correctional Center in Smyrna, Delaware. Heather has since moved to Colorado and started a new life. She went to to years of therapy and ended up attending a community college. Kimberly Holton was only 16 years old when she was murdered. She tried to fight back but didn't stand a chance between two grown men. Michael said she was kicking and screaming until her last breath. Kimberly had a sad life being passed around from home to home. She doesn't know who to trust and likely trusted these two boys. Even though she was reported missing, there wasn't a ton of people out looking for her. She was thought to have just run away, and that's just how Kimberly is. Think about some of the other missing young people I've covered, and there's air and ground searches, people are holding candlelight vigils, and there's crying parents on the news. This wasn't the case for Kimberly, and she deserved better. It seems like she had a lot of people that failed her during her short time on Earth. I did find her on the Find a Grave website. There, people can leave little notes for the deceased. I found some from what I assume to be her real parents, telling her she is missed and she is loved. If alive today, Kimberly would be 36 years old. She's been gone longer than she was on the earth. Rest in peace to Kimberly. I'm so sorry for what you endured. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care, and much love to you all.